Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With Earn In, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the Earn In app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with Earn In, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 85. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Ali Wensky about how to make moving not so crazy. If you are moving or you think you'll be moving in the next few years, listen up because there are some great tips dropped today. And if you've ever thought moving is a great time to declutter, but you don't plan on moving anytime soon, we've got you covered too. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Deanna Yates, creator of littlegreenbow.com and your resident wannabe minimalist. Thanks for joining me again today as we look at how to make moving not the super stressful event that it usually is. I've talked a lot about my recent move on this show, and in the midst of our move, I found Allie. Or should I say, I found Allie's book. I have moved quite a few times in my life, and in fact, I counted it up before I started recording this podcast, and it is 22 to be exact. But this was the first time that we were moving with a child who actually cared. You see, every other time, our daughter has been too young to really know what was going on. This time, however, she was in the middle of a school year. She loved her room and became pretty attached to it as we spent so much time at home over the past two years. And with a lot of uncertainty around, she was not on board with changing up her safe space. It didn't help that our move was pretty sudden and would be complete within three weeks of even finding the home listing. I knew I needed help in a hurry, and that's when Allie entered my life. Ali Wensky is the author of The Art of Happy Moving, How to Declutter, Pack, and Start Over While Maintaining Your Sanity and Finding Happiness. She's also a real estate broker with Baird & Warner in Winnetka, Illinois. Allie and her husband moved 10 times in 11 years, living in six U.S. states, and she is known as the Marie Kondo of moving. 
So Allie's advice has been featured on TV, radio, and podcasts, as well as in Forbes, US News, and World Report. She's been on Today.com, Real Simple, Fast Company, Parents Magazine, and many more. Allie is happily settled in the Chicago suburbs with her husband and three children, and she doesn't plan on moving anytime soon. Our discussion starts with the move that led Allie to buckle down and declutter, and I push her to give us her best tips on moving with children, what to do when other family members don't share your same vision, and what to do when you get into your new home. Allie and I have a lot in common, and it was a fun and lively conversation. If you enjoy listening in on friends' conversations, I think you're going to enjoy this one because by the end of this episode, I determined that Allie and I might just need to meet in real life so that we can be besties. When you're finished listening to this episode, be sure to head over to littlegreenbow.com slash 85 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Allie's website, her tips, and a link to her book. Again, you can find it all at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 85. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Allie. Welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. How are you today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. and It is such a pleasure to get to talk to you today. Awesome. I am thrilled you are here. Um, We've had a few technical issues on our way to this conversation, but Allie, I am so happy you are here today. I came across you actually when we were in the middle of a move. Um, We've moved lots and lots of times, but this was the first time I was nervous about moving with my child who was eight now. And before she was so young that I didn't really seemed to bother her that we were moving. She really had no concept of it as long as we were around. And so that's how I found you. I found you. You've written this wonderful book called The Art of Happy Moving, and I'm really excited to talk about it today. And just some of the points really hit home, and I knew that my listeners would really want to talk about it as well or hear about it. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about, I want you to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and maybe what kind of led you to this path of being interested in decluttering or maybe minimalism or kind of what your take is on it. Sure. Um, So I'm Allie Wenske, the author of The Art of Happy Moving, and I moved 10 times in 11 years with my husband, Dan. And so we moved from Massachusetts to Maryland to Ohio to California, to Illinois, to Tennessee, and back to Illinois with a few local moves in there as well. And I'm originally from Miami, Florida, so I've really covered going all around the country. And I now have three kids that are 12, 14, and 16. And so they made four of the moves with us uh, when they were much younger. So now we've settled down. And I think, as you know, I know you've moved so many times when you're moving all the time, decluttering becomes a way of life. You have to with each move. You're starting all over. It's an opportunity for a fresh start. And also, you know, one of the things people always tell me is you're so lucky you're moving, Allie. I wish I was moving so I could declutter. So I'm like, yes, I feel so lucky. So for any listeners out there who are moving, think of how lucky you are. Everyone's jealous that you have a reason to declutter. And for those of you who are not moving, think how lucky you are. You get to declutter and you don't have to move. So it's a win-win. Totally. Oh my gosh. I love that. And it's true, right? People, oh my gosh, how lucky you are. You're like, yeah, I'm super excited. I get to go through every cabinet and put everything in a box and really have to make those decisions really quickly. Because with our last move, we had two weeks 
I mean, we had two weeks notice to get everything moved. And so I was really happy that we, at this point, live with less. And, you know, we ended up doing the move ourselves, which maybe was kind of a dumb idea, but <laughs> it was a local move. And so we generally were used to doing these really long cross-country moves. We, like you, have moved tons of times. We've lived in California, Texas, uh, Colorado, Illinois a couple times, uh, Iowa a couple times. We've traveled around Europe. And so, yeah, the fact that Yes. So lucky we were that we got to move all of those times. So lucky. But it did really, I mean, but on the flip side, it was very good. It's a good kick in the shorts to actually have to make those decisions because yes, when you have money on the line and right, it's expensive to move across the country. So when you have that money on the line, it's an easier way to look at it. But the good news is we don't have to be moving in order to actually go through that process. So let's talk a little bit about your book, which again, I'm going to tell you, it's The Art of Happy Moving, How to Declutter, Pack, and Start Over While Maintaining Your Sanity and Finding Happiness. Because I mean, moving really is one of the most stressful things that your family can have to go through. And so it is really nice. I, I just loved finding this resource. And by the way, I'm going to tell my audience that you are funny. Like this book is... It, you guys, it makes a really lighthearted, takes a lighthearted approach to something that is really stressful and really serious and, you know, that we are up against a time constraint. And so if you are thinking about moving or you want to have kind of this decluttering um, throughout your house, you guys pick up the book. It's really funny. I really enjoyed reading it. So, all right. So what was your inspiration for the book? When in all of your moves across the country back and forth, did you kind of come up with this concept? Well, first I want to say thank you for all of your kind words. That was so sweet of you. And I'm just smiling, big smile here. So thank you for all of that. Um, so the reason I wrote the book was we had moved you know, all over the country. And it was a one particular move when we moved from the Lincoln Park neighborhood in Chicago to Knoxville, Tennessee. And we had um, you know, made our pros and cons list of should we make this move? And on paper, everything seemed perfect. And when we got to Knoxville, the it was wonderful. The people were really nice. It was a lower cost of living. We had a beautiful home, uh, but it was really difficult to make friends when we made that move. And so the pro that process, and it was surprising because we had moved so often and it hadn't been an issue to make friends in the past, but having that, um, that loneliness really of, of taking six months to make a new friend was really hard. And so that kind of started my whole journey about writing about happy moving was um, that connection piece of making friends. And I actually started a company called friendmatchup.com, which was like match.com, but to make friends when you move to a new city. And so that was really the starting point of it. And this was back in 2012, I think. So a long time ago, um, before there were a lot of these websites where you could meet friends in new places. And I just didn't have the money to do with it what I wanted to do, but I'd written a lot for it. So I, and I'd gotten so much great feedback from around the world of people who said, I just moved to Paris. I just moved to Seattle and I don't know anyone. And thank you for creating this because I want to meet people. And so I realized that there, it wasn't just me, <laughs> that mm -hmm. there are other people too, that they go through this difficult time period of the adjustment when you're moving somewhere, you don't know anyone. So that was really the start of it. I started my blog, The Art of Happy Moving, and then my book. Um, and then I love decluttering and moving and talking about the happiness research. So it kind of all came together, but the, the real starting point was the friendship piece. 
Oh my gosh, Allie, you and I are meant to be BFFs because my husband and I have actually thought about doing kind of a couples or a family matchup kind of a thing because we found that, yes, it was difficult to find friends earlier, but once you added a couple, like a, you know, a significant other to the mix, it got that much harder. And then you added a child to the mix and it just got exponentially harder to find people that you could connect with. So Mm, I love it. Yeah, we I've should had talk that later. Same idea. We should. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh, idea. this is so funny. We are like twinsies, lost, lost twinsies at birth. Um, okay, so okay, absolutely, it is. It really is hard to find friends, and I do think sometimes it's maybe the location because we had a hard time. We got lucky when we were in Germany. We lived in Germany for about eight months, and we got really lucky that we found an expat group. Now, I tend to pick up moms at the park, which is kind of weird. I'm going to say that out loud. I do that too all the time. <laughs> but that's how I met a really good friend here in San Diego, and that's how I met that expat group in um, Germany. So you guys, if you're listening to this, do not be afraid or embarrassed to say hi first. Um, I think I walked up with a Target bag and she like zoned in on the fact that I was like American because I had a Target bag in Munich. And so anyway, but it can be really hard to find those friends and it has been lonely. We did not have very many friends that were actually German. And we had a lot of this conversation about when people are in close-knit communities where they haven't moved a lot and they have that friendship base from when they were kids it is hard for them to open up and bring in people from outside and so yeah you do have to just kind of step outside your comfort zone so i do love that you do have a lot of um tips in here about places you can meet people and we actually had a garage sale to kind of meet our neighbors. It was one of the tips you have in the book. And we did, we had, not that I had much to sell and I honestly wasn't even, I didn't even care about the money, but my daughter did a little cookie and hot chocolate stand. And it was just a nice way for us to get to have a conversation with the people that live on our street because we hadn't really had a chance to do that because we moved right at the holidays. And so everybody's already so busy, but you just got to meet people as they walked on by and it was really great. So what are some of the tips you have for moving with children? Because that was really the biggest part for me. Yes, the meeting the friends was tough, but we were kind of in a place now where I knew that this is where we wanted to be because of my child. Like I wanted her to be raised here. We like the school district. We love the lifestyle here. And so it was more about her. But at the same time, we're now we're local but we're at a different school it's the same school district but now it's a different school so what are some of those tips you have for parents that are moving with their children because i think that was the most stressful part for me that's the question that everyone asks when they're moving is is how do i make this how do i do this with the kids and so i do have a couple chapters in the art of happy moving that deal specifically with moving with kids and helping them with the transition of making friends and everything but if i had to boil it down to five things that people should know um, the first thing is to have the moving talk as soon as possible because they're the kids know that something is going on if you're having these discussions and you're trying to be quiet, or maybe you're on the phone with a friend and, and it slips out and you don't want the kids to hear it from someone else. So as soon as it's possible to tell them, then go ahead and have that conversation. And again, I have tips in my book about how to have that conversation and to there's a script in there to help you out. Um, the second thing is to explain how life will be different and the same. And so there was uh, someone that was moving, her name was Jessica, and she was like, you just moving 10 minutes away. It wasn't a big change. It wasn't a big cross country move. And they didn't really think that it would be 
something that was so traumatic for the kids because it was close. But as adults, we forget that kids don't know exactly what's going to happen with a move, especially if they've never moved before. And so um, this woman, Jessica, she walked into her son's room, Max, and he was sitting there crying and crying, holding onto a stuffed animal. And he, she's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And he says, well, mom, what are we going to do with our dog, Louie? Are we going to leave him in a kennel or, or get rid of him? And she's like, oh my gosh, of course not. We're taking Louie with us. He's our, our dog. And kids just don't necessarily realize what is happening there. You see you walking around the house being like, we'll leave the curtains. We'll leave the chandelier. This is going to go. And so just explaining to them what will be the same and what will be different. Uh, you can take out a whiteboard and write things down, have the kids like all sit around the table, maybe draw things out. Uh, I know a friend that had done a PowerPoint presentation to explain like, okay, I, I know we're on the swim team here. This is what the swim team looks like in Seattle. This is what the Girl Scouts look like. This is what the hockey team will be like. And so just that they know their activities will continue to be the same. Or let's say you're changing and you're now going to be carpooling instead of taking the bus or vice versa, just any little thing that might affect their life uh, to help them understand what is going to be the same and what will be different. Um, the third thing is to give your child a sense of control. And I know all of us feel that right now. This has been a couple years of everything feeling out of control. And so we really know what this feels like right now. When kids are moving, that's what it feels like, that their whole world has been turned upside down and that they had no control in it, that they're just kind of going along with what the change is going to be. So if you can do something to give them some sense of control, and this could be age, it depends on the age of your child. I mean, something as what may seem simple to us, but would be a big deal to your child is choosing a paint color in the room or how to organize a room or if they're older, maybe they can have some say in what house you buy or what school district you're in. So depending on the age of your child, just have them be involved in some of the decision-making process. Um, the fourth thing, and I talk a lot about this in The Art of Happy Moving in terms of changing your mindset, and you, know, you mentioned it's one of the most stressful things, but I talk about in the book of kind of changing it to see it as the opportunity that is being presented to you. So the fourth thing is be optimistic. Even when you're super stressed out and you're packing your millionth box just to try to keep, you know, putting on that happy face because your kids will definitely get their energy from you of how you're feeling about the move. Um, and the final thing is just to recognize that sadness is natural. This is, it's hard. And for all of us, I mean, you're dealing with the loss of your old life. So it's okay if your child cries, it's okay if your child slams doors and is angry. Your child may say that you have ruined their life. Um, for the record, you have not ruined your child's life. I have talked to you know, many, many people who have moved with children and what they find is that their children are more resilient and they are stronger and they feel like they can do anything because they have made it through the move. So. Um, and then this is not one of the five tips, but just like a beware <laughs> is beware when your child asks for a puppy, because this happens all the time. And the number of people who have told me that, like, I was reading the book and I finished the chapter and my child asked for a dog. I was like, I told you they're going to ask for a puppy. Someone told me that when they were young and they were moving, um, they were offered a horse. So that's the biggest oh. one that I've said it was a pony. So oh they got a pony. <laughs> so be careful. Your kids will, they know, they can feel it. They can sense it, that this is a perfect opportunity to ask. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? 
Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes, and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. All right. There you go, guys. Make sure you are prepared. One thing I made sure we did too was I made sure that I tried to pack her room up last and also set it up first so that she felt comfortable Um, and didn't have as much disruption as maybe we did because we understood the process, right? I mean, we've done this countless times. If I have to live out of a suitcase for a week, it's not really a big deal. I don't need my clothes hung up in the closet, even though my husband will tell you anytime we travel, I'm, I unpack immediately when we get there, but like, I can understand like that this is part of a process and I know I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but for her, I made sure that we tried to be as just as sensitive as possible, right? Like I wanted her bed to be set up first. I wanted, you know, her to feel the most comfortable so that when she had that first night sleep in our new place, it didn't feel like scary or, you know, I don't know, super uncomfortable. So, but those are really good tips. I love it. And I do agree. Try to be as open and honest as you can, but yes, in a, in a compassionate way of like, they know kids are smart, man. They know when something is different. So Yeah, you can't really hide it from them. So yeah, make sure you let them know. Now more to kind of the physical act of moving. There's a couple 
couple things I want to talk about when it comes to the physical moving. One is just our stuff too, but then also um, with kids stuff. So let's talk about adults first, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't really matter which one, whichever one you would like to talk about first, but are there certain tips you have for decluttering before you pack up? Are you a you know, do you prefer to try to declutter everything or do you pack it all up and do like a moving, like a packing party once you're there? So like the, the idea that I'm looking at is like the minimalists have this idea of this packing party where you pack everything up and you only take things out as you need them. And then as stuff has stayed in the boxes, it's easier. So that's one way I think we can move is just pack it all up and then only take out what you need. But like if we're doing a cross country move, I think that's a little bit harder. Or do you prefer to like do a really deep declutter before you move? How, what's your take? Well, the chapter in the art of happy moving is called get rid of everything you own. So I definitely take the, um, the approach of getting rid of as much as you can before the move. Uh, as you mentioned, it's expensive to move. So every item that you are taking with you and you're spending the money to pack the item, to move the item, to unpack the item, that's a lot of costs. And so my decluttering method is based on moving. And so I recommend starting with the heaviest items first. So I have a decluttering order for moving in my book on my blog where I start with books. And the reason that I start with books, so doing all of books as a category is because books are heavy and also they're very easy to pack. And so it's a good starting point to get into the mindset of decluttering for a move. And there was a woman that I was talking to who had, had gone through a downsizing process and she had movers come in. And so she just said, just pack up the book, pack up the books and I'll get to them later. So the movers had put them all into the basement of the new house. And then months later, she had unpacked all of her items and now went down to the basement and realized, I, I don't want all of these boxes of books. And now she does not have the movers with her and she has these really heavy boxes that she has to take up um, these attic stairs to get out of the house. And it's a really difficult process to, to go through the physical act of getting rid of all that stuff after you've already moved it and packed it, you know? So um, I definitely recommend starting the process early. And other things I talk about books first and magazines, the third thing being furniture. And this is one item that I think a lot of people, if you're not moving and you're just doing kind of like a spring cleaning type of decluttering, this is a step that most people overlook. They don't think about decluttering their furniture. And so if you are not moving, but you want to declutter as if you were moving, I recommend taking photos of your home because that way you can see where the clutter is, but you can also imagine if you were staging your home to sell. And if you are looking around at the house as if you were staging it to sell, and you see this large TV armoire that you haven't had a TV in it forever because now you have a flat screen somewhere and you just have clothes in there. Like there's just something else using it. You're not using the armoire uh, and you wouldn't move it. Then why keep it in your house now? Now is a perfect time to declutter it, to donate it, to sell it. And that way you're not dealing like you did where you have two weeks to move and you have to donate items or figure that out at the last minute, do it now. And I actually did that last January where I got to the point where I was like, Dan, we're decluttering as if we were moving. We did the whole overhaul of our house and decluttering the furniture was a big part of that, of items that had kind of just, they were in our house because they had been in our house for so long. But taking that mindset of um, looking at your furniture as well can really help open up the space in your home. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. I mean, you don't really think about it because it is, it's you're, you become kind of clutter blind 
to those items, but you opened up a can of worms with the books. I mean, I've had so many people come back at me and say, don't tell me to get rid of my books. And I'm like, <laughs> if your books bring you joy, by all means, keep them. But I'm a huge fan of the library. I love that every book I ever want to read, could ever read is being housed somewhere else. I get to use it. I get to order it online and they have it ready for me to pick up. And when I'm done with it, it goes back to the library. So big fan of that option. Although I did buy Allie's book because- Oh, thank you. I feel honored. <laughs> I do like it. I needed it. So, but I will definitely be passing it on to somebody when they are moving um, because that's what I love to do. When I find books that I do like and I want to support the authors, I will buy their books and then I will pass them on. So that is something I'm doing this one. So, okay, let's talk about kids. In the book, you have this awesome idea about the toy store. Tell me about the toy store, how that has worked for your kids. I don't know how it would work in my family. I haven't tried it. Um, I could see this working better in a household that has more than one. I mean, I'm we only have one. So um, as an only, she kind of is like, but it's all mine. <laughs> um, so I can see this working well with siblings where you're sharing, you're like, no, that's the what, that's what I wanna keep. So talk about the toy store. What is it, how did it work for you? Yes, and it's interesting that you say that about um, one child versus multiple children because, and I'll explain what the toy store method is, um, but it can, I've had many people that have done it with one child and it has worked because right now when I do it with my kids, it's not just their toys. We bring in every single toy or every book. So it's not just saying like, this is my stuff, but I, let me explain what okay. the toy store method is. Um, so I started this when, uh, after we had done all of our moves and we were in one place where I wanted to teach my kids the importance of decluttering, that it is a skill that takes time to, to get better at. The first time that you do it may be really difficult, including for your kids. It might be hard when they're um, doing it for the first time. It gets easier every single time that we do this. So I wanted to make it fun. And so what I did is I took every single toy that our children own from everywhere in the house, their bedrooms, the living room, any cabinet that it was thrown into, and I brought it all into the basement. And then I divided it by subcategories. So we would have the Barbie dolls, the matchbox cars, the puzzles, all into different sections. So if, we, if you don't have enough room to put everything out, just do it by the subcategories. And so you can use it in smaller spaces. So I put all their things out and then they're standing on the stairs of the basement and I give them each uh, shopping bags or little sticky tabs um, that they can put on, on toys. And I uh, say like, do, 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 welcome to the Wenski toy store. And I lift up my arm and the kids go running into the toy store. So they go around and they start um, putting like the sticky notes on everything in the beginning. It seems like they're like, I want to keep this and this and this and this. And there seems like they're just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just brought every toy in here and they're just going to buy it all. Like, well, my, why did I do this? And, but what is amazing is they start to slow down that they've gone shopping and they've picked all of the things that they want to keep. But then there are all these items that aren't speaking to them that they don't want to keep that is not something that they would buy for themselves in a store. And so after they do the first round, I put away, I put aside the items that they have chosen so they can do another walkthrough and just make sure that there's nothing that they've missed because sometimes they, there might be something that was just to the side. So they go through it and they, they go through it again and they see if they want to keep anything. And it is incredible how many toys or books we have at the end of it. And it has completely changed the way that we declutter in our house because we're, I'm not asking the kids, do you want to keep or donate, keep or donate with every single item. 
they see everything at once. And that's also really important is that you have to see each item. Um, don't just put out like a bin of matchbox cars and say, here's the bin, because they'll say, yes, <laughs> I want the entire bin. So to have each single matchbox car out, that way they can touch and feel and pick the ones that they want to keep. And my kids love it. They are so excited about it. They ask to do this. And we've now been doing it for many, many years. And before we start, we always talk about like, why do we do this? So we have that on the board of like, these are, this is why we, we do donation weekend. And we pick the organizations where we're going to, we're going to donate our items. And so that's all on the board. They can see it. They're motivated. We also usually do it after Halloween. So we have candy breaks <laughs> between, um, but it has really changed the way that we have done it. And what was really interesting is this past, during the pandemic, we were at home would kind of do decluttering projects here and there. And so I thought, well, we're not going to do the big donation weekend because we've kind of had this constant process of decluttering while we've been at home. So I said, okay, this is, we're not going to do it this year. And what was incredible is my daughters, they closed themselves up in their room that weekend and decluttered their rooms on their own. And I didn't say anything. And then at the end of the weekend, they're like, mom, look at all these things we have. And, and I, was so proud of it. It was a great parenting moment. And I said, Hey, do you guys know that this was donation weekend? And I said, Oh, I had no idea, but I just felt like I needed to declutter my space. And so having it on the calendar every single um, year, we, it's our annual weekend. It becomes part of the habit. And they didn't even know that that was what it was like they had to do it. And so just, you know, holding yourself accountable, putting it on the calendar and making it fun. And that's how I do all of our decluttering now, whatever it is, we create a store for it and choose what we want to keep. Oh, I love that. And I love the timing too, right? That weekend after Halloween, you've got candy to keep you kind of going. Also, it usually right now it's falling within that fallback kind of daylight savings pattern too. So you usually get that extra hour. So it kind of gives you a little bit of like, all right, we're, we're going to do something good with that extra hour and we're going to make a big donation. Oh, I really like that. Let's talk about kind of the transition period because we've talked about kind of moving and like saying, okay, that is the old and we're getting rid of the old, but now we're moving into this new space. How do you have tips for making that part easier? Because I feel like when you go into that new space, it can be hard to make it feel like home. You were so used to the old space and yes, there's excitement about the new, but it maybe may not feel as cozy. So do you have any tips for making it feel like home? Yeah. So one of the things that I recommend is as you are packing to put a heart on the boxes that are your favorite items. So let's say I was doing my bathroom and I was packing up my bathrobe and my slippers and a tissue box or something, and I'm putting all the items in the box. I put a heart on that one so that when I'm unpacking my boxes, I immediately have my bathrobe ready. Like that's one of the first things that I have so I can feel like it's home. The same thing could be true when you have pictures, um, maybe your favorite cookbook, your running shoes, like whatever the things are that you feel like if I had these things, it would feel like home. And then those are the first boxes you unpack and don't put hearts on everything, <laughs> just like the items that you really love. And you had mentioned before of um, doing your daughter's room first. And so I do recommend starting with the kids' rooms first and having it feel for them like they have a place that they can, they can 
have as their new home, their oasis, while you're trying to unpack the rest of the house. Uh, and then the next one is, is doing the kitchen, because that is typically the center of the home. And so to have those spaces unpacked early on can really make it start to feel like home. All good tips. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Because and I've heard people talk about like making sure you have a box for or like you pack up a suitcase with the stuff you need that night, which in theory sounds really good. But I'm I, I try to be that organized. But usually in the middle of the move, I'm like, oh, gosh, where did I put my sheets? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm getting better at that. But yeah. So but I love that. I love your tips. It kind of takes it to that next little level there. We had talked about this, like how lucky we were that we were moving. And you've touched on it a little bit about that if you're not moving, how can we still declutter as if we are moving? So what are some tips you have for all of my listeners? Because again, at any given period, there's going to be a large majority of people that are not actually moving. So what do you what tips do you have for somebody that they can still kind of participate in this process, but not have to go through all the stress and the, you know, time uh constraint when you're actually having to pack those boxes. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Yeah, so one of the things I first recommend, um, whether you are moving or not, is to visualize your space in the way that you would want it to be. So if you're moving to a new place, imagine your new space and how you would want to set that up. Um, if you are still staying in your same place, just kind of go through the exercise of closing your eyes and walking through your home in a way where everything is exactly the way you would want it to be. And um, so starting off with that, setting some goals of what you want to accomplish as your home goals and how they can help you, especially around the new year right now, if you have resolutions, 
Think of what those are and how your home can work for you to do those things. I have a chapter in my in the Art of Happy Moving about creating home habits and how to create a happy home. And for those who are moving, 36% of successful habit changes were because of a move to a new place. And so that's over a third of people who were able to change their habits because they moved. So think of this as if you were moving too, you can take advantage of that, of creating a new home and having your habits. So another thing you can do too, if you wanted to clutter as if you were moving is change your mindset. So taking this as I did a year ago where I said, I'm gonna act as if we were moving. And the average American moves 11.7 times in her lifetime. So chances are pretty good you're going to move again. So let's just pretend like we're in that moment. We're going to move. Um, and then as I mentioned, to take photos of your space. Take pictures because when you walk around your house, you don't see the clutter. You're used to the clutter. It's, you know, those bags in the corner or the pile of papers. You look past it. But when you see it in a photo, it feels very different. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that that looked that way. So take the take pictures. Uh, and then also, as I mentioned, my decluttering order for moving, you can take a look at that and declutter in that order, starting with the books and magazines and going on to the furniture and I have other kind of big bulky items like sports equipment. And so going through those, through that checklist, it really changes the way you declutter because you're not just starting off with, um, you know, a bathroom drawer. And you can do that if you want to do that. But if you want to do the big, heavy, I'm going to declutter as if I'm moving, then think about your furniture. Think about those big, heavy items that are weighing down your house and you will feel so much lighter at the end of the process. Yeah. Think about it as, as an expense, right? Like, would you pay somebody to pack this up and move it for you? And if not, then why are you holding on to it? And if you don't have a compelling reason, I think that's just such a nice way of looking at something and being able to make that decision because it's so easy to sit there and go, but I might need it or gosh, I'm not actually moving and it's not taking up that much space. So maybe I'll just keep it for now. But if you wouldn't want it in your new home, why keep it in your current home? So yeah, I love that mindset shift of just, just take this as a moment. It's a new year, you guys. The world will get back to normal soon. There it will, it will, it will. And so if we can just um, you know, have this moment of like, what how do how do I want to be ready when I am ready to go back out into the world? And when I am starting to invite people back over to my home, that might be a really good impetus for people to kind of make those changes in their home right now, too. Absolutely. And you bring up a great point about thinking, well, I've had this, why move it or why get rid of it? It's fine there. And do you really want fine? I'm think of this of your space. This is your home. It should be as beautiful as as you want it to be. So it can be an oasis. And when we were decluttering as if we were moving, we had a bookcase that was in our bedroom that had just sort of landed there because it didn't go anywhere else. And I was like, sure, we need a bookcase, it's storage. And as I was taking pictures of the house and thinking if we were staging this house to sell, that bookcase would not be here. So I got rid of the bookcase. We had got rid of everything in it. And it was like a breath of fresh air mm -hmm. where taking advantage of just the space. And if you ever declutter with kids, you see if they walk into a room that has been decluttered, they start dancing. They mm -hmm. are so happy with the space. And that's how we feel. We might not actually start dancing as we walk into the room, but that's how our hearts feel. So um, as you are decluttering and not just thinking, well, it's fine. Well, think of how much better it could be if it was exactly the way you wanted it to be. I love that. First off, I do not want to live a life that is just 
fine. Gosh, that is like my least favorite four letter word. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you guys, we've got this one life. Let's just really enjoy it. And I love that. Leave space to dance. Make space to dance in your home. You never know. So, oh, so good. What do you do when your family is not on board with this process? I mean, it sounds like you're lucky and through lots of work and lots of moves, I know it didn't just happen overnight that everybody got on board and your girls weren't just decluttering on their own just because you said so. So what do you do when your family's not on board? Do you have any tips for getting them a little more excited? Yes. I. It's funny that you say that about my daughter's decluttering now, and it, and it seems easy now, but for my kids when they were little, and, and each of them were different, but for one in particular, it was so hard to let go of items. She was very emotionally attached to items, so it is a process. Um, and so in terms of getting other people on board, I always say, don't get rid of anybody else's items. Do not worry about anybody else's items. Don't think about decluttering your kids' things, your partner's things, any, work on yourself first. We all have items in our own home that we can declutter. So I try to lead by example where I'm gonna declutter my stuff. If you wanna have a mess, <laughs> that's up to you. But the more that people see you decluttering, then they see the spaces that you have created and how beautiful they are. And so they want that feeling too, because we all feel it. We can all feel when there are those beautiful dances, spaces we can dance in. And so when I walk in my closet and I've decluttered my items, it feels really good. So then my husband might say, hey, yeah, why don't we look at the other side too? And so I would say lead by example. And, and also to realize like when I do it with my kids, I never make them get rid of anything. I, I don't go, I don't ever donate items without my kids' permission they are always involved in the process. And this was true from when they were toddlers in their entire lives. So having them involved in the process and realizing that you're teaching them a tool that they will use for the rest of their lives, that it is, again, my daughter who held on to everything. Now she's learned to let go because she has gone through these baby steps throughout the years. And now she can do it on her own and she loves doing it and she understands the, the benefits of it. So I would say basically lead by example. <laughs> Oh, my declutter BFF. <laughs> I am 100% on board with that. And, and I agree. It is all these little baby steps and all these little stepping stones that add up. And once we are comfortable in our own stuff, in our own skin, in how we know decluttering makes us feel, you, you just get to live it. Like, and people understand it because it's living through you and you're calmer because it's easier to pick out things to wear in the morning and you're not knocking things over when you get home and the piles aren't all piling up and you just have a sense of light, lightness about you and that makes other people wanna do it. So I'm 100% on board with the leading by example. So yay. <laughs> So now I know this has been a long journey for you and me too. Um, I, you know, it just, it kind of adds up all those, all those building blocks have added up over time. But if you were starting today, knowing everything, you know, now, because I know that there have been lots of trials and error things in my life that I probably wouldn't do, but you know, at the time I did the best I could do. So I, I don't regret anything I've ever done. But if you were starting over today, what is the first thing you would have someone do who's kind of new on this journey, getting to now 
learned from all of the experience that you have had along the way? Yeah, I think if you were decluttering for a move or just getting ready for a move for the first time, the number one thing is to start early, as soon as you know you are moving, because what often happens is people wait and they don't realize how much work it is. <laughs> and so we start as soon as you can, start the decluttering process as soon as you can, and realize it'll take at least 50% longer than you expect. And I think that's a, a low estimate because I think, I truly think like things, it's like gremlins and they're just like multiplying in your cabinets as you are going through the process where you pack something up. You're like, how is it possible? I still have all these things in my cabinets. So start yeah. early. I also recommend using a moving checklist and mm -hmm. I have one on my website. And just to keep you organized of these are the things I need to do because you're, you're worried about so many different things in a move. And so having a checklist obviously keeps you on track, but it also takes away some of the stress because you know you're not missing anything. Um, that feeling of like, oh gosh, what have I forgotten? So start early, use a moving checklist and declutter as much as you possibly can because that really will save you so much stress, time, money, and so starting with that, and I have a lot of tips in the book too, about making it fun. <laughs> so yes. it's not all stress and, you know, so also have fun with the process. And I love that you had the garage sale to meet people in the neighborhood. Um, yeah. So just different ways that you can also have fun through this. And it's, it's not just like this really stressful process. It can be a really exciting and fun process too. Yeah, I agree. And I do think it's, if you look at it from a perspective of a fresh start, I think that really helps too, um, as you're going through and you have that kind of idea of just like, okay, like, is this the person I want to be? Do I want to be the person that has this dish set? Do I want to be the person that has, you know what, there's a few chips in this plate. Maybe I should get rid of this one and I'll go ahead and buy myself a new one. Um, you know, and so those kinds of things, I think, were what kind of came across me like because even even myself right like i mean i definitely had some plates with chips in them that did not make the move i was very proud of myself and we have a very plain white plate and so i was able to buy new ones that match they're not exact but they are 99 percent close to what they were so you wouldn't even know it if you know if you were sitting down at my dinner table and you had one plate versus the other so i think that kind of helps too of like who do I want to be? And I get this moment that I really don't get this often to kind of reinvent myself. And you can still do that even if you're not moving. Like it's 2022, guys. We can do something different. You can always choose to write a new chapter in your story. And so this is a good opportunity to do that. I love right, that. Allie. I love the idea oh. of the identity. Sorry, I just no, I love go, that please. idea that um, that this is your chance. You can be anybody that you want to be, whether or not you're moving every fresh start is the opportunity for that identity. So thinking of that identity, as you're going through your home, do, is this the identity I want to have? Is this what I want to show the world, show myself? So I absolutely love the way that, that you said that. And Aww, um, I think it's, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> thanks. Well, this has been wonderful. And like I said, guys, she is my new Declutter BFF. Um, <laughs> but if you guys want to find Allie, Allie, tell them where they can find you. Sure. So um, my website is called Art of Happy Moving. So it's artofhappymoving.com. I have my blog. I have a lot of free resources on there too, with moving checklists, uh, lots of tips on decluttering and other items. So it's like a one-stop shop for anything moving related. 
Uh, I'm also on social media at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Ali Wenske. So A-L-I-W-E-N-Z-K-E. And uh, I love hearing all your decluttering stories. I get before and after photos. Sometimes people just message me and say, I don't know what to do. I feel stuck. And I'm like, get rid of it. And they're like, okay, I did. <laughs> My husband's <laughs> been trying to get me to get rid of that for years. And, and so, um, so yeah, reach out. And I love hearing from you. So please do. Awesome. And we'll make sure it's linked in the show notes. So if you didn't get a chance to write down her last name, we'll make sure that there's a link there so that you can find her. And I love to end every episode with four somewhat rapid fire questions. So the first one is what does minimalism or intentional living mean to you? It means having the time to do what you love and achieve your goals. Oh, love that. Nice. Rapid fire answer too. What is your favorite simple pleasure this week? What's something that you've just been enjoying this week? Something I've loved this week is our story time. Our kids are older and we all sit around the fire and read a book together. So that is my favorite time. Always is my favorite time. Very cool. What books are you, I mean, do you have a book that you're finishing right now? We're in the middle of Atomic Habits right now by James Ooh. Clear, which I love. Love if you've that not one. read that book, have you read it? Oh, I have. It's good. Yes. It's yes. really good. Yes. It's where so I got the, that right now. the behavior versus the like goal. I love that from him. Oh, yes. so good. Guys, if you haven't read it, it's a good <laughs> one. It's perfect for the new year. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one to read with Kit, like with kind of that, yeah, you know, the tween teen age yes. years as well. Okay. What's one piece of advice about life, decluttering or minimalism that you'd love to share that you haven't already? Yeah, with decluttering, I would say just start small and make it manageable. So today we've been talking a lot about having this huge decluttering process. And so I, if, if that's too much right now, then just start with break it down into smaller steps. As I mentioned, having a subcategory. So if you can't do every single toy in your house, just pick the matchbox cars and that's it. So whatever you can do at this moment, I, I would just make it manageable. Yes, because it can snowball. Absolutely. I love that. And the last one, what is making you happy right now or in the season of your life? Well, we recently got a Peloton bike, which has been so much fun. And I never understood everyone's obsession with it. And now I get it and I love it. And I'm one of those annoying people too who can't stop talking about it. So it's been so fun. My whole family has gone into it. So I feel like it's the start of the new year. We're all feeling um, feeling good. So I'm, I would say that. <laughs> oh, that's great. I have not, I've, I've heard about it. I've been so tempted, but I have not jumped on that bandwagon. Although I'm sure at some point I definitely will. So I love spinning. So I don't know why I'm holding out, but <laughs> maybe this year, <laughs> maybe this year I'll be the convert. So awesome. Allie, well, this has been a delight. And again, if you guys haven't picked up the book or you're moving and you just don't know where to start, her book, The Art of Happy Moving, has been just a really fun, lighthearted read about, yes, taking something that can be very stressful and just making it a little more manageable, a little more fun, and just a little bit easier. So, Allie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. All right. We'll talk soon. So what do you think? Did we convince you that you are the lucky one to be moving? Okay, maybe we weren't able to get that far, but I do hope we were able to show you that moving doesn't have to be the stressful event that it might have been in the past. We can make a move with our families, declutter ruthlessly, and love our new space. 
And even if we're not moving, we can pretend we are and decide to create the home we want to be living in. It's never a bad time to choose how you want to be living your life. So like Ali said, let's make space to dance. I would absolutely love to hear what you thought about this episode and if you think we can make moving happy. Are you planning a move in the near future or do you want to pretend you're moving so you can declutter all the things? Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and let me know your thoughts. Also, I want to know what podcasts you'd love to listen to or if there are any guests you'd like me to book on the show. I am all ears. You can join the Facebook group, send me a DM on Instagram or tag me in a story. And hang on, I've got a little surprise. I changed my username on Instagram and I am now wannabe clutter free on the platform. So more info on this next week. So feel free to reach out to me there or send me an email. My contact information and the show notes for today's episode are on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 85. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com slash 85. And I will have links to Allie's website, links to her socials if you did not get a chance to write down her last name, and links to her book and the other one we mentioned in the show too, of course. And before I sign off, I'd love to ask you to leave a review of this show. That's how I'm able to book more guests, but more importantly, it's how I know what you want to hear about and which episodes have been your favorite. Your reviews and comments help me make the show better, and I read each and every one. All right, that takes care of our show for this week. Join me next week for a solo show where I will be talking about some coming changes to Little Green Bow and the Wannabe Minimalist Show. It's all good stuff, and I am super excited for this next year ahead. All right, I'll see you then. Cheers. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.